Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Our emphasis today has been about bringing uh, our best to God. And, um, you know, sometimes I... I feel like that I have to be very conscious that I don't just bring God what's left of me. And I, I want to give God, if I can, my, my goal every day is to begin my day with prayer and, and Bible reading and time of devotion. That's my goal because that's when I'm going to be the freshest. Many afternoons I have great intentions but I'm not at my best. And uh, we all differ. Everybody's schedule is different. I get that. But I want to make sure that what I give God is not just something left. I want to give him the very best that I have. And uh, in order to give God the best that I have, I have to keep making sure that there is a refreshing, there's something flowing into me, not just out of me. Amen. I want to turn your attention today to the book of Genesis chapter 17 read a couple of scriptures and seems like the last little while I've been talking a lot about Abram and and, uh, and maybe even from different passages of scripture but here we are again today what a beautiful story in life to study the Bible says when Abram was 90 years old and 9 Genesis 17 and 1 the Lord appeared to Abraham or to Abram and said unto him I am the almighty God Walk before me, be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham, for the father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Amen. What a powerful promise. Many promises of the Lord had made to Abram. We've been talking about, it seems like in the last few services, but I just want to talk this morning about the power of uh, coming together with the Lord and let the freshness of his spirit flow in our heart and in our life. Amen. I, I know that what we're doing here today is something we've been doing a long time. There's people in this building that have been coming to Sunday services. You've been doing it for decades. Maybe it's just a lifestyle. But I don't want to be here out of duress or under duress. I want to be here because there's something fresh and something new. I come expecting something. Amen. God bless you. And may you can be seated in the fear of the Lord. I want you to preach with me just for a little while, if you will. I am, I am, I marvel at the character changes that men and women experience when they have an encounter with God. Yes, 
changes them, not just something about them superficially, but there is a, a, real, deep, a, a real deep rooted change. In this passage, there is a definite challenge that's been presented to Abram to move to another level of trust or another level of faith. And I believe that every service ought to pull us closer to a fresher walk with God or a challenge, if we can say. And something ought to happen that increases our faith in the word of the Lord. Amen. And at the time, perhaps at this particular time in Abram's life, I think it would be fair if we're just looking at Abram and if we're looking at the calendar, it would be easy for Abram to feel as though that his best years are behind him. Amen. And uh, that's all in the past. I've had a good life. But now here is God stepping into his life at this particular intersection and saying, I'm asking something more of you. I'm asking you to come up higher. And there's no doubt that God is calling all of us collectively to move up higher. Amen. This uh, maybe in the mind of Abraham, he has, or Abram, he has reached a point of weakness. Maybe he is only looking at his inabilities. He is now, according to scripture, our text, 99 years old. It has been a long time since the Lord spoke to him when he was in Ur of Chaldees to come out of that land away from his father's house and go to the promise that the Lord had in store for him. As a matter of fact, if my calculations are correct, it's been now about 24 years since he received the promise of the Lord. Additionally, it had been 13 years, and I know I've mentioned this through the years in teaching, that it has been 13 years since the events that were recorded in the previous chapter. And so there's been these long periods of silence in the life of Abraham. As far as we can tell, God has not spoken to him since he encountered Hagar on her way to Egypt. And so that would equal somewhere around 13 years. Now that's a long time to go and not hear the voice of God. Amen. 13 years, 13 years of getting up every day and remaining faithful to a promise, trying to hear in your heart the echo of that promise again and again, but nevertheless, he kept walking. I think it would be fair to assume that in these years could have been the years of unrest in his home. We do know that Ishmael was in his home. And if you know the story of Ishmael and Hagar, this created an atmosphere of envy and strife. So much so that Sarah said, not one more night will this child and this woman be in our house. You're going to have to do something about this now, not when you get around to it, not when it's a convenient time or season, but it created an atmosphere of such intense strife until she said, now, I believe that God used these years to teach Abram uh, the ramifications of just going and doing your own thing. Amen. Now we can all just go do our own thing and we have probably all been guilty to some degree and could be charged with such. But this was a time that God used to teach Abram the consequences of serving God only through your flesh or serving God and acting presumptuously about and upon his grace. For 13 years, he has lived with, if we could call the fruit of his impatience. We could call and say that he is now living with the fruit of his impulsive nature to listen to the wrong voice, even though that was the voice in particular of his wife. It could be that some are here today that have had a similar experience and I would dare say 
that most of us do. Maybe it's not something as as dramatic or as graphic as what we have here in the life of, of Hagar and Ishmael. But perhaps it was a time when we just kept resisting against the will of God until God said, well, I'll just let you have your way for a little while. Amen. You ever long for a pair of shoes so long till the Lord just said, well, go ahead and put them on. Amen. I believe there's more guilty than those that responded today to that. But the Lord just said, I'll just let you have your will. If that's what you want, I'll let you have your way. And, and those seasons brought a lot of stress and a lot of discomfort and even perhaps a lot of dysfunction in our lives. I've been there and I will tell you that it's not a comfortable place to be. God will let you do your thing. He'll let you have your way and walk in your will. Amen. God permitted this to teach him and to teach us a lesson. Amen. It, the lesson is succinctly that it is very hard to walk outside of the will of God. It is hard to function and live outside of the will of God. You just can't bring it all together. And so one of the most frightening things in life is this, that if you insist on having your own way, there's a point in time that God will just acquiesce and let us walk just a few steps. But I'm gonna tell you, life gets heavy and it gets heavy quick without God. Life, life gets complicated and it gets very, very complicated quick without the hand of God. After 13 years of silence, God appears to Abram and he says to Abram, I am God Almighty. Or in Hebrew, he said, I am El Shaddai, which mean God who is, means God who is more than enough. Not just God of enough, but God of more than enough. Amen, he used this to emphasize to Abraham his infinite power. I cannot just do enough to get you by, but I can do more than enough. I'm thankful tonight or today that we are serving a God of more than enough. It's already been stated just a few moments ago. If you need the Holy Ghost, the God of more than enough is here. If you need healing, the God of more than enough is here. He's not coming. We don't have to keep singing till he arrives. We don't have to hang out here till three o'clock. He is in this house. He said, when you are gathered together in my name, I will be in your midst. And the God of more than enough, the God of more than enough is here. This is the first time that God has been referred to as such. And in, this very, in the very next chapter, God again promises the son, amen, that the promised child, and then God does something a little different here. He sets a time on his arrival. The angel said to Sarah and to Abraham, in Genesis 18 and 14, he said, is anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? I wonder how many times we thought that same thing when we were in prayer and we were up against it and we just wondered, is there anything too hard for God? He said, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son. I know you're looking at the calendar. I know you're looking in the mirror. I know you're looking at your life and think your best years are behind you, but I'm just gonna tell you that I am God of more than enough. This sounds very kin to something that's gonna play out again in the New Testament when an angel comes to a young woman named Mary and tells her that she is with child and she is going to give birth to the Messiah. In Luke chapter one, verse 34, she asks a very reasonable question. 
She said, how can this be seeing that I have known no man? She wasn't arguing with God. She wasn't arguing with him. She wasn't trying to push this back. I think it was a very honest and sincere question. How can this be seeing how that I know not a man? But the angel responded like this and summarizes it all in Luke 1 and 37. For with God, amen, nothing shall be impossible. And I believe today that I am speaking to men and women that are looking at the face of impossible situations. And I just want to remind us that the God of Abraham, the God that spoke to Sarah, and the God that spoke to Mary, amen, is telling us that with God, nothing is impossible. We can say, how can I have my healing when the doctor report says this? Or how can I have a, a promotion or a raise on my job when my educational report says this? How can I get this when my bank account says such? Amen. But we need to realize that God can and will bless. He'll put his hand on what we give him. If we'll give him our best, if we will bring God the first, and if we'll say, God, I'm giving you my life. I want there to be a freshness about this service. I want there to be a, if God will tarry, I want there to be a freshness about Wednesday night. If the Lord will tarry, I want there to be an even more freshness about next Sunday. I want to give him my my very, very best. Amen. Uh, I'm sure somewhere along the way I've told this story. I've told it many times, I'm sure, and perhaps here, but I remember years ago my wife and I were invited to speak at a church and, and, and its whereabouts is not important. Brother Tenney used to say somewhere between here and the North Pole. And they told us we got the directions to the church and the service time was at 7.30. We drove up about 7.25 and there wasn't a car in the parking lot. As a matter of fact, we had already thought we found the church, but there was no one there. So we went past and we come back about 7.25, nobody was there. 7.30, nobody was there. 7.35, nobody was there. And finally, somebody starts pulling in. We went inside and people were gathered around and they were just sitting all around the altar and everybody was just like a... It's like we was at a cookout or something. They were all just sitting around talking and people was sitting up on the altar and somebody's asking Joe how the fishing went and somebody's asking Bob how the hunting's going and way on after a while, almost eight o'clock, somebody looked at their watch and said, well, I guess we ought to get started. I was thinking, my, my, this ought to be way more important to us. This ought to be way more important to us. Amen, I didn't come here just to get this over with. Well, we may as well get started so we can get this over with. Or somebody may say, we might as well get started so we can get this out of the way. I just wanna make an announcement. It's not in the way. Amen, Sunday morning's not in the way. Wednesday night is not in my way. I'm coming and I'm saying, Lord, I know that we have worshiped here many times before. We've been in this building for decades, Lord. We've been in this building for decades on Sunday and we've been here for decades on Wednesday, but I'm looking for a fresh touch. I'm looking for a fresh anointing. I'm listening for a fresh word. Hallelujah. Because with God, nothing, nothing shall 
be impossible. Amen. With this new light shining in the heart of Abraham, the Lord spoke to him and he said, I want you to walk before me and I want you to be perfect. Amen. We don't need to be off put by the word perfect because that simply means I want you to be wholehearted. I want you to give everything that you have. I want you to give your all. I don't want to come give God what's left over. I don't want to come give God just something off the bottom. Amen. I don't want to just shake around, try to get some crumbs and give that to God. Amen. He's been good to me. He's been so good to me. He deserves better than I have the capacity to give. But I want him to know like the widow's might. I want him to know that when I give him what I give, that he knows it came from the wellspring of my heart. It came from the very root of my soul. Amen. I want to consistently respond to the Lord. Amen. I believe that God was asking him to be sincere and honest in his devotion. And he is asking that of us today to be honest in our obedience to the Lord. Because if our faith is to be considered genuine, then I think that it must be followed by obedience. Because James says, faith without works is dead. I can't just believe, I gotta do something about it. Seven promises are given to Abraham. He said, I will make you a covenant. I will make a covenant with you rather. I will multiply you. I will make you fruitful exceedingly. I will make of you many nations. I will establish my covenant with your descendants. I will give you and your descendants the land of Canaan. And he said, and I will be their God. I will be your God, but I'm gonna be their God. What he's saying is, Abraham, you're not gonna live forever. But when you go to that sweet by and by, I'm still gonna be God to your children and to your grandchildren and to every heir. I'm gonna be God. And I'm gonna tell you today that in this in this morning, this September morning of 2021, that promise is still yay and it is still amen. If somehow we could just message Abraham and tell him that he is still our God, amen, he is still at the center of our world and the center of our universe. He's a God that can make a change. In verse five, he said, neither shall thy name anymore be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made thee. So for 24 years, Abram lived with a living under this shepherding hand of God, this promise of God, that no more is your name gonna be called Abram, but it now will be Abraham. Abram was not the same man in character that he was before God called him. Throughout the Bible, we can see many times, I mentioned this in my opening comments, we can see many times where God and man or mankind had an encounter, divine encounters that left them completely changed. And when there is a significant character change, there is a name change. Saul became Paul. Amen. The list could go on and on and on. Abram became Abraham. And he said, I'm going to change your name. I'm going to change something about you. He's now changed Abram to a closer walk with him by changing not only his name, but he's going to change Sarah's name. The name of Abraham means high father or the father of many. Now that could seem like a wonderful thing, amen, but here's something that we should consider about this name change. In truth, as we begin to live this out day by day, it was probably a pretty embarrassing situation. 
because Abraham has this name changed. Amen. So if we could just put ourselves in his sandals for a moment, whenever he met someone new and they stuck out their hand, if their customs or cultures were anything near ours, and they said, hello, my name is such and such, and what is your name? And Abraham has to speak up and say, my name is the father of many nations. Well, how many children do you have? None. My name is the father of many. Well, tell me about your family. Won't you break out some pictures and let's see. But he has nothing to show. He just has the promise of God. Amen. That's, it's possible that happened again and again and again. So how can your name be the father of many and yet you have nothing to show for that? Maybe he dreaded that question. Maybe he dreaded running into somebody new. God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai no more, but Sarah, Sarah shall her name be. Because Sarai meant contentious. And we gotta do something. There's gonna be something that changes about her. This speaks volumes about what the home life of Abram and Sarai must have been. Amen, yet in the New Testament, Peter says that this woman is a model for all women to know and emulate in their lives. But it was only after her name had been changed from contentious to princess. I want to tell you that when the Spirit of God does something significant in the life of a man or a woman, we ought to have something about us that changes so substantially that the world knows it's not just in our dress, although it ought to be seen in our dress. It's not just in our conduct, although it ought to be seen in our conduct. But there ought to be something in the Spirit. Amen. The Spirit of a man precedes a man. And there ought to be something in us that the world says there's just something different about you. There's something significantly changed about you. Amen. I'm going to tell you today, I'm thankful for a fresh touch, a fresh anointing. I'm thankful for the power of God to just move and sweep in our house again. In the New Testament, she was never referred to as Syria. God didn't God didn't just change her name, but he set something in, in motion. Amen. He said, this is the pattern. This is what you can cut the rest of all of the material like until she becomes Sarah. Amen. She's going to be Sarah and she's going to lose that contentious spirit. And so Sarah had to develop a gentle spirit, a quiet spirit, because in the sight of God, that was what was precious and that was what he was looking for. Maybe she was not naturally like this. Are you hearing me now? Amen. Maybe this wasn't just how she was born. Maybe this is not how she hit the ground. Maybe she was contentious as an infant. Maybe she was contentious as a child. Maybe she was contentious as an adult, but the Lord said, no more. You're gonna develop something. I'm gonna tell you, when we get the Holy Ghost, the old man ought to die and the new man ought to be born. And it doesn't matter how we used to be. What matters now is how we are now. I gotta change my nature. If I used to be hot-headed, I need to let the Spirit of God put a temperament in me that is correct. If I used to use bad language, I need to let God replace those foul words for good words. Amen, I need to change who I am. Praise God. Aren't you glad you've been changed? I don't want to just be different on Sunday. I don't want to just be different when I'm in, in the house of God or when I'm around church people. I want to be different on the job. I want to be different at home. My wife, my children, my friends, my family, they ought to all see he doesn't just look different. He is different. He is changed. Praise God. 
through the years by God's grace, she learned that she didn't have to defend herself on every situation, but God would speak for her. And through this process, she became a princess or honored among women. In verse number 10 of chapter 17, he said, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. So when Abram, God, with Abraham, God's sign of covenant was the covenant of circumcision. In the New Testament, our sign of covenant is baptism. And so when we think about circumcision or baptism, amen, this was not necessarily salvation in and of itself. Salvation in the Old Testament and in the New Testament is by grace through faith. We understand that, that we've got to be obedient to the word of God. Amen, but it was a sign. It was a sign of a covenant, a sign of a commitment. Abraham's faith resulted in what our faith ought to result in, and that is obedience. I want to be obedient to the word of God. Amen. And, and so when I read in the word of God that I need to repent of my sins, I want to repent of my sins. When the word of God teaches me that I need to be buried in his name and baptism by immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins, then I want to find me somebody to baptize me in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion for the remission of my sins. I've got to be obedient to his word. That positions us for the promise of the Holy Ghost the promise that's to us and to our children. As many as the Lord our God shall call, not to just those that are in the house, but to those that are far off, not to those that are just born in this season, but to those that are yet to be born. It is the promise of God. Amen. The lesson here is that Abraham is challenged all over again. It's a deeper call. It's a higher call. Perhaps we can look at our walk with God and maybe we could put it within the framework of three things. I believe that God is calling all of us to a life of repentance and a life of faith. You say, well, I've already got the Holy Ghost. That's a wonderful thing. You still need to be called to a life of repentance. I want to know how to die out to me. We've been called to a life of discipleship. Amen. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. Amen. Can somebody finish that? How often we ought to take up our cross? Amen. Daily. We ought to take up our cross daily and follow me. Not just when I feel like it, not when it's convenient. I want to take up my cross and follow him. And our third call is to go forth as a laborer. Amen. I want to understand that God has called me and, and he has task me with a responsibility. Amen. I say, Lord, now help me to respond to the call. I want, I want to repent. I want my faith to be what it should be. I want to be called to understand my role as a disciple, to follow you every day, to take up your cross and your purpose every day. And I want to go forth. Amen. The Bible says that the field was widened to harvest. The only thing that was lacking was laborers in the field. And so I say, God, anoint us. We don't need just one or two people in the church te teaching Bible studies. We need everybody in the church teaching Bible studies. We don't need just a handful of people, amen, that are willing to sit down and break down the word of God. We need everybody that can sit in the break room on your job and say here let me just show you what the scripture says this is why we repent and this is why we're baptized and this is why we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and this is why we do what we do I say Lord help me to be a man and a woman uh, help us to be men and women that are not ashamed amen of the gospel and that we might be able to show and rightly divide the word of God and bring truth down to where someone can reach it and understand Amen, it's not just a one-time call. 
but it's a call that comes again and again and he draws us closer and closer and I must respond. I must respond. I'm going to ask our musicians if they will to come. Abraham believed God. The Bible says in Romans 4 and verse number 19 and not being weak in faith he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about 100 years old we're talking Paul is talking about Abraham here. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. The Bible says in verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. It was an impossibility. And I know you've heard it preached. You've heard it taught. You've heard it talked about in every conceivable way. But he staggered not at the promises of God. God promised him something impossible. And he staggered not. And being fully persuaded that from what he had promised, he was able to perform. So I ask you today, if God made us a promise, then the least we can do is not stagger. Thirteen years of silence. Years and years and years of God not coming by and saying, I just want to remind you that it's true. But he just held on to the promise. Amen. How long can we walk? I just want to walk in this promise. Amen. Can you stand with me this morning? Amen. What made Abraham and Sarah great was the fact that they believed that God could do whatever he wanted to do. And furthermore, they believed that he could do it with or without them. I'm not trying to sound crass this morning, but I'm going to tell you, God can do whatever he wants to do. He doesn't need me. He wants me. And he wants you, but we're not the pivot point of this. I promise you, we don't want you to do this. Hear me. But if you walk out these doors and say, I'm never coming back, the church is going to keep moving on. God's going to have a bride. I preached about being woven just a few weeks ago. Amen. God's going to have a bride. He's going to have a church. We can close our Bible and say, I'll never preach another message. I'll never sing another song. I'll never do this. I'll never do that. But I've got this much sense to know that God's going to do what he wants to do. His promises are going to be fulfilled. Amen. So I want to have faith like Abraham. I don't want to stagger. I want to have faith like Abraham. I'm going to stand. When the world is trying to push me down, I want to stand. Amen. God is able to bring life out of death. God can bring love out of hate. God can turn things around so radically. God can bring peace to all the turmoil in our world. I'm preaching to people that know God can bring, put joy where there used to be misery. He can put peace where there used to be chaos. You and I are living testimonies of that. It's not, we're not talking about stuff locked up in a book. We're talking about something you lived through. Amen. Praise, praise, praise. He put praise in your mouth. A mouth that used to charge God foolishly and maybe use all kind of indecent language. But God put something in us. Amen. Aren't you glad he's more than enough? He's more than enough. Can you make an altar where you stand and can we love him? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. 
We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.